I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have the Tampa Bay Lightning really turned it around, as some people predicted, or could there be more trouble ahead? And who would be the best quarterback for the Bucs in 2020? Tom Brady? Philip Rivers? Maybe just Jameis Winston? And who will win the college national championship game Monday between Clemson and LSU? We've got Nostra Thomas to predict all of that. That's right. Tom Jones, the longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. So before we get started, uh, some NFL news on Tuesday. The Carolina Panthers hired Baylor head coach Matt Rule. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought he was uh, going to New York. Well, you know, he was the Giants' first. If you look at the tabloids, boy, on Tuesday morning, they had him all but signed, sealed, and delivered, but he never got out of Carolina. The reports are that he um, signed a seven-year contract. But, boy, talk about patience. Um, And then he gave the Giants an opportunity to match it or at least called them. And they, of course, said seven years, no thanks, we're not that confident. Um, And so he becomes a Carolina Panthers coach. I'll say this, anytime, if I were that coveted and I had my uh, my opportunity to do so, I would always tell my new bosses that I have a seven- or five-year plan because I don't want to get fired before those five or seven years. If you tell me I have a three-year plan, guess what? After two and a half, three years, and it ain't working, they're going to get rid of you. Yeah, but he got the he got the Gruden deal. I mean, this deal is $10 well, million with incentives. a year. It's $10 million a year with, with, with incentives. With incentives, yeah. Right. I mean, but, who knows? Those could be... But I Wind think it division, was I think Super it was Bowls. sixty mil over the seven years without him. It's it's an enormous amount of money, and and they they absolutely made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yes, for a you college know? coach that has not won a conference championship. No, but he he was coach of the year in the Big oh. Twelve and and turned around Baylor and turned around. I mean, he won at Temple for God's sake. I no, I think it's a good hire. I'm yeah. just saying that that's a huge contract for a lot of money for, for a guy, guy that that. I, I won't say has it proven it because I believe you know to to do what he did at Temple and then to fix kind of the mess that Art Bryles left at Baylor. I, yeah. I, look, I think he's a really good coach, and I think that's a really good hire. And and I think they found their guy, and it, they were going to do no matter what it took to get him. Right, but that's a big yeah, he, he leverage. It's a giant contract. I, I, you know, the other thing that I don't know, you know, football is different than a, a lot of sports. I mean, I think that that uh, as Major League Baseball managerial contracts kind of go down, right, in value. There's a, just a few people, Joe Madden among them, making a lot of money. Uh, when I say a lot of money, I mean, you know, to them, relative to everything else, $5 million a year thereabouts. I think I think NFL coaches are probably worth more than, than, than other leagues' coaches, right? Because, you know, you got to hire a, a big staff. It's fifty-three players. You're setting a tone. You're hiring mm-hmm. coordinators. You're firing coordinators. You have a lot of things to do in a short amount of time, and it's a very competitive league. But if you put it in perspective, okay, um, you know, a third receiver could cost you ten million a year. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. You know, now, now the the coaches' salaries are cash out of hand, right? It's well, not. Say, yeah, the, the players are. It's a not pool, part I mean. of the salary cap. Yeah. They have to spend it on players. I mean, they do. They have to spend a certain a minimum amount on on salary cap on players. It's probably up to about a hundred and I don't know eighty million dollars right now per year. But but I mean, if you think about the revenues you make as an NFL team. What's more important? And I know you know all thirty-two of these teams are looking at each other, saying, "Don't you run the prices up on my head coach?" Because I got a guy that's won six Super Bowls. If you're Bob Kraft, but but why wouldn't you spend? I'll be honest with you. If I were an NFL owner and I was a new NFL owner, like the guy in Carolina, I swear I would go to the New England Patriots and say, "I want Bill Belichick, and I'm going to pay him twenty-five million dollars a year." Now, the rest of the NFL would look at me and, and throw stones at me at the next owner's meetings. But what's a, what's a more important figure in your, in your program than the face of your franchise, which is really your head coach? I guess for me, and, and the money part is, to me, the seven-year commitments, the, that's, the, right. that's the hard I mean, But that's money, too. I mean, you could fire a guy after two years if you hate him. Yeah. You just got to pay him for well, five sure. more years. But, I mean, well, but, yeah, there, there are six coaches in the NFL that have coached at their current teams for seven years right now. Right. Only six. No, it's, yeah, it, no, it's, 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 you know, it's Belichick, it's Sean Payton, it's Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, and Andy Reid. Right. I just, right. And, and hey, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to a quarterback and a coach in the NFL, mm-hmm. if you find your man, it doesn't really matter how much it costs you. No. If that's who you believe it can take you to the promise. If that's your guy. If, you, if you're sure he can drag you across, you know, to get one, one Lombardi trophy during his tenure there. I mean, look what... I mean, let's look at the Oakland Raiders, you know, and and what they paid John Gruden to come out of the Monday Night Football booth, you know. I mean, that's, that's an enormous amount of money. Do they, you know, they're moving to Las Vegas. You know, what's that going to be worth when they fill that stadium to have John Gruden as your head coach? Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but obviously winning is the biggest thing. Anyway, it was it was quite a uh, quite a surprise, I think, for the people in New York at least, but. Part of it was um, that the Giants were quickly ready to move on Patriots wide receiver coach Joe Judge. Yeah, who saw that one? Let me ask you. Before today, I'll be honest, I cover the league. I wouldn't know Joe Judge. I I did not know Joe Judge was a wide receivers coach at New England. Now, that might might shine really poorly on me because I cover one team, not all 32, but I at least see the Patriots every now and then. Um, But Joe Judge, I mean, you look at his resume – He's a guy who has been obviously around terrific head football coaches. You know, he worked for Nick Saban. He's worked for Bill Belichick. Um, you know, not not one of the marquee names we heard at the start of the hiring process. And look, some of these guys that have left New England, both as GMs and head coaches, haven't always fared that well. But some have. You know, you got two in the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's not as if they've all been abject failures, but you know. Um, that's another going to be a tough sell with the Giants because nobody knows this guy. Nobody knows much about him. Apparently, you know, he was a, he was a player at Mississippi State, and he began his coaching career there. His dad was a boxer. He comes from a boxing family. His dad fought George Foreman one time. That's that's quite wow. A, that's something to put on. Yeah, that's something to put on your resume. You know, might go a few rounds with a head coach, but um, so yeah, some 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 important hiring. 
You know, though, it's not always the, the highest profile coaches that do the best, though. I mean, no, that's one, true. one of the ones on the list that have been at their, their team more than seven years is John Harbaugh. He was a special teams coach. Yeah. For years. Yes, that's and, what he did. You know, and, and I think he's been one of the best coaches in the NFL in his time. No question. No question. And I will say this, too. It's never made sense to me, and somebody has to explain this to me one day. Why more special teams coordinators aren't head coaches? Because, like, within the, the organization, right, of an NFL team, everybody has a position coach. And if you coach linebackers, you talk to linebackers. And if you coach DBs, you talk to DBs. And if you're, if you're a quarterback's coach, you're mostly talking to quarterbacks. Offensive coordinator may, may address the offense. They may do a little bit of offensive line. They can sit on all the meetings of the different position groups there. And same with defense, right? You have your defensive coordinator. You have... There is one coach on every staff who has to coach both sides of the ball, players on both sides. He has to relate to the running back who's returning kicks. He has to relate to the offensive lineman who's on special teams blocking. He has to relate to the tight ends or the, the up backs on the kickoffs. You know, I mean, you coach everyone, and you stand up in front of the group, and you sort of have relationships with, with both sides of the ball. You know, guys that coach offense know the guys on defense, and they, they may come in contact with them during the day at some time, but they don't coach them. You know what I mean? So, so stand to reason that more special teams coaches would be, would, would be good head coaches because they see the entire picture, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely one way Maybe to look not. at it. I mean, you know, hey, hey you know, just, what Rich Eisen says. It sounded you know, really good. Rich Eisen says punters are people, too. I mean, you know, um, someone's <laughs> got to coach them. But, but but you're not just coaching the kickers. I think that no, no, yeah, yeah, you yeah, raise exactly. a good point. I think that people think that if you're a special teams coach, you're just trotting out the punter, the kicker, and the return guy, and, you, and, and the long snapper, and you really don't do anything. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good portion of your practice, maybe maybe as much as a, a third of it, is devoted to special teams every day, and and maybe they're not your marquee players. You know, I mean, you're not going to put Mike Evans on special teams unless it's a emergency or a hands team or something. But you're still, you're, you know, you're 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 speaking and and coaching guys from both sides of the ball, and it just stands. To, you know, I, I mean, and this is the Rich Basaccia thing, right? Like he always wanted to be a head coach, but. Um, people would tell you that going back to the O2 Super Bowl team, the guy that Gruden would put up there sometimes on Saturday nights was Rich Basaccia. And and players knew him and respected him because they all worked for him mm-hmm. at some point before they became stars or when they came as rookies, whatever. I don't know. Just something to think about. But I I wouldn't totally dismiss just because this guy isn't a, uh, a marquee name mm-hmm. when we started the process. The other thing is, too, it looks like now there's one more hire to make, right? The Cleveland Browns, which I don't know, is Josh McDaniel going to go there? I mean, as we as we tape this podcast, maybe it'll be over by the time um, we, we're completed this. But um, you know, there's only you know Ron Rivera is is a uh, Hispanic. He's a minority. Um, so much for the Rooney Rule, right? I mean, who you know? Once again, the NFL is going to go through another hiring period, uh, and outside of Ron Rivera, I mean, there's not going to be. I think that's I think that's three in two years. And of course, Rivera was in the league, um, so I don't know. Something to think about whether that rule is actually working or not. You know, as as they move forward as a league. But so uh, yeah, we'll see what the we'll see what the Browns do. And um, you know, maybe Josh McDaniel returns to New England, and maybe that helps with Tom Brady. You know, going back there. Who knows? And how about in baseball? Oh, 
Did we what not just story. talk about the other night that with the Astros we investigation and, and apparently that's going to wrap up in the next two weeks or so. Looks like Manfred's mm-hmm. going to dole out punishments. Looks like could be suspensions for the GM, the uh, AJ Hinch, the manager, and Alex Cora, who's now the Red Sox manager. Yes, who was the bench coach on the Astros at that time. But speaking of the Red Sox, oh boy, there's now a report in the Athletic that they were using the replay room to steal signs during the 2018 during the World, World Series. Series. Yes, yes, yes. I and, didn't think it was limited to the Astros. You said it was going to sweep up more than one one baseball team, and you were exactly right. And 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 let's let's see if it's just two, right? I mean. This could be something that's just been going on in baseball that people, you know, kind of didn't talk about. And and but I think I think people in baseball knew who the cheaters were. You know, New England gets this in football too, folks. I mean, I'm not breaking news here, right? But they're 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 well known for uh, not just breaking uh, pushing the envelope, but actually breaking rules, and they've been punished for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, any surprise that the Red Sox and you think about what the Rays are already up against to begin with, right? It just seems so, you know, you know, really. Like, you think you if anyone, if payroll. you think of anyone was coming up with those schemes, it'd be the Rays. Exactly. I mean, I'm not like, saying that they want to cheat. I'm just saying that no, they're the ones at the disadvantage but... with the payroll and all this stuff. They're the exactly. ones that come up with the ways to, to you know, game the system's not the right word, but you know, they're the ones coming up with the innovations to, to do better. But be you think it could be yeah. one of those type of teams that would be busted for this. Isn't it interesting that 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 the, the team that already has the most resources and the most players is also the one that is trying to break the most rules? <laughs> it just <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like, come on, we know you got all this already. You you should be able to win with what you got, you know. But that's just uh, you know, maybe it's a thing in New England. Maybe it's the Patriot uh, era, Red Sox in the era, Patriot way is rubbed off on the uh, Boston Red Sox. But man. You talk about taking down a Houston, of course, you know, a World Series team, what, twice out of the last three, four years, something like that? And then well, they, the they, they lost it this year to the well, Nationals. They did lose, you're right. ALC, but they won yeah, it in 17. Right. The, Red, been, the Red Sox won been in 18. In and... Right, they've been in it, though, yes. is what I'm saying. And, yes. and, and so, you know, um, they're, they're not – you're right. They're not taking down the Miami Marlins here. I mean, we're we're talking about two heavyweight teams, two contending teams, and, and I'm telling you – I don't know what Manfred will do. There'll be bans on, like you said, on the players and or on the GMs and the managers. It's, it's looking like you, it's looking like the players will not be punished. Well, they'll be, they'll I be, think it's difficult to punish them if yeah. you're following orders. Well, right? yeah, but it looks like those guys may be suspended. Don't know the length. It looks like the team may get heavy fines. Which, hey, you won a World Series. Do you really care that you paid a but fine? But nothing, nothing for the owners. Nothing for the owners. Uh, not, I mean, that's not what's being reported. I mean, the, the punishments have not been doled out yet, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it, but I think we'll see, although, what. although if it's, if it's a lot more teams than one or two, it's kind of hard to then yeah. at least force owners to sell. It would be hard, which I never thought they'd I, do. I think that would be a How about a postseason? But, how about a postseason ban? Since yeah. you reap the benefits in one world series, right? As a result of your cheating mm-hmm. and all the money and all the trophies that come with that. How about you sit this one out? How about you play a whole season that ends with with just you know I don't care if you win 115 games you're going home at the end of the year. If what they did was that you know they can prove all uh, that egregiousness of cheating, I have no problem with that. We yeah, do we do that in college sports. Absolutely, that's what they happens in college. You get a postseason ban. Yeah, you can play the season, but your fans know that when you know when the season, when it's over, you're going home. So I don't know. 
And, and they're talking about losing draft way. picks too, which you know hurts teams, but hurts you five years yeah, from now. Not so much with baseball though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it baseball... hurts you. It hurts you. It hurts your farm system. But it's going to hurt you five years from now, not today. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. So, wow, a lot of news on this. Uh, you know, on Tuesday anyway, and um, we'll, we'll follow both stories, of course, and still more NFL news. Jason Garrett, by the way, is headed to the Giants, not as the head coach, but as the offensive coordinator. What do you think the fan base there feels about that? <laughs> Gotta hate it. I mean, if you watch, I mean, Dallas's offense has not been a problem really through the years, right? I mean, I, I and he's and he's gone through a lot of different coordinators himself, right? Yeah. As a head coach, he he wasn't calling the plays before he became a head coach. He was a, he was regarded as one of the best play callers in the NFL. That's that's how he made his reputation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and got the job in in Dallas. But um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's got the same offensive line he had in Dallas. No, but he's got Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yes, That'll match up with Zeke Elliott. Yes. He's got Daniel Jones, who's the young quarterback, much like Dak Prescott. I don't know if he's in the same same class of, of player. but um, and, and he's familiar with the NFC East, you mm-hmm. know, which isn't a bad thing necessarily either. So, no. you know, I like Jason Garrett as a person, and I think he's a pretty good coach. I just, you know, it didn't work in Dallas, I think, for the – ownership reasons but um but yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure giants fans are ready to embrace jason garrett just yet but it won't help it won't hurt that young head coach to have a guy that's been through it right like that's a nice like to me if you're going to hire a first-time head coach have a head coach on the staff right have a guy he can lean on that's been through it a few times and knows you know can help you with some of the you know some of the shortcuts and some of the trap doors that you face first time around Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, we're joined by my former and who knows, maybe future radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, and now with the Pointer Institute of Media Studies. That's the longest introduction of any guest we have every week, Tom Jones. <laughs> What's, What's going on, Tommy? Not so much. How are you, buddy? <laughs> Well, you're like Nostra Thomas, and we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, take a bow because the only thing you ever got wrong was giving Josh Freeman $100 million. But let me tell you, you nailed the lightning. Which I'm reminded of every 10 minutes from somebody, (laughs) but go ahead. Well, who knows? Maybe if you had to give him $100 million, he'd have turned into a good quarterback. Exactly. We'll never never know the answer to that. But uh, you were, uh, I mean, light years ago, it seemed, or at least a couple months, saying that the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to turn it around after Christmas, that this was a – sort of a, uh, a hangover from their Stanley Cup failure. And lo and behold, they've won eight in a row, and they're back back in the playoff race. Yeah, we're recording this before they play Tuesday night, right? I think That's uh, true. So we're mm-hmm. recording this before that game, so they probably go out and lose 7-1 uh, on Tuesday night. <laughs> or, or win nine in a row. Or maybe they win. Yeah, but – yeah, I had a sense that something was, that they were going to sort of stumble and bumble around. I've been saying that since training camp that they were going to stumble and bumble around until Christmas, and then they would turn it on after Christmas. Although I have to admit, a few weeks ago, Rick, I, I had, I, I wasn't feeling good about that prediction. I, I thought that, I thought they would get better. I didn't think they were as bad as they were playing, but I also felt that they were. 
there was something troubling about the way they were playing there. But it seems like the fog has started to lift on this team. I, I, I don't know that they're all the way back to where we think they're going to be at some point. Um, I don't think they're playing perfect hockey, but it's certainly much better than what we saw earlier in the year. They're getting really good play out of guys like Alex Kalorn. Uh, Victor Hedman's been their best player. I think he's just been sensational this year. Andre Vasilevsky's starting to play much better in goal. And then you got your big guys are, are you know, Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, even though Kuch sometimes will be frustrating to watch. Um, Steven Stamkos, those guys are all producing big time. So, yeah, I mean, suddenly everybody can breathe a little bit now about the Tampa Bay Lightning. It looks like they've sort of cleared out of their funk somewhat. Well, let's just stay with the Lightning then. I, I Listen, I, I don't know that it's this simple. Okay, because I think that when you change teams, you know, we've always said this. You've been around professional sports for years, so have I. It doesn't really matter. I mean, there is this is a core that's been together. So so certainly there was a bit of a hangover effect from what happened a year ago. And yet you add some pieces. So every team is different. Right. They got to figure out their own way. It's not the exact same team as a year ago. That said, I think their goaltender is the biggest thing. I, I, I think that Vasilevsky has has just. I don't think he was at at the unworldly level that he finished, you know, a year ago when 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 he when he won the trophy for the best goaltender in in, right. in hockey. Um, and if you watch some of those games, I mean, they they've always sort of relied on him to be not just average or above average, but like sensational at times, you know, because of the style they play. Um, am I wrong about that? No, you're not we, wrong at all. Are we seeing him just like totally turning on now? That he just he was a good goaltender. He wasn't great, and he's always been great for them. You're not wrong at all. I think you're right on target about that. Look, I don't think there's any question. When they won 62 games a season ago, they weren't a 62-win team. I mean, they were, but they, the, the, rest, the rest of their team played pretty well. They played loose. They played high-flying, high-scoring. But there were yeah. a lot of nights where they were maybe down – Two to one at the end of the first period, where they should have been down six to one with exactly any other goalie, and they wouldn't have won sixty-two games. And he was a big reason why they were able to to, to tie the NHL record a year ago. And this year, he was—you're right—he was average. He wasn't special. He wasn't spectacular. And the rest of the team was continuing to play the same way that they maybe uh, were a year ago, not, and not even that well, or I, maybe I, worse. Yeah, right. maybe a little worse. Sure, right. And the, and the goaltender wasn't there to bail him out. He has played much better. And you can see the team having confidence. Like, okay, I'm going to say something now, and it's probably going to feel a little, you know, as much as we sit here and talk about, well, things are great, and they're winning, they're winning the, you know, seven, eight in a row, whatever it is. And uh, and it looks like they're, they finally figured things out. But I, I don't know, Rick, that this – that we're going to see a version of this team as as good as we've seen in the past. Like I'm starting to look at this team now, and and I like them, I I do, but I don't think they're I don't think they're an elite team. Uh, and and maybe they, you know, Vegas still thinks they are. You know, as far as the the betters go, as far as gambling goes, that and those guys are usually pretty on on the mark. The odds of winning the Stanley Cup are still pretty good among the tops in the league. But I don't know. I I'm not crazy about. This team, like I was a year or two ago, three years ago, um, defensively, I think we're – boy, I I miss Anton Strauman in his prime. You know, I miss Jason Garrison. I I don't think this team is as good defensively as it used to be. Um, Which is weird because that was the thing I thought they wanted to fix the most. Yeah, and and maybe they will. Maybe they'll figure it out. Look, defense is more than just, you know, your sixth defenseman. It's it's team defense, and there are nights where, like, defensively – 
Um, guys like, you know, uh, you know, your, your forwards, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samkos have to be better and so forth. Well, they're giving up odd, they were giving yeah. up odd man rushes all over the ice. Yeah, I mean, it was just I, – I don't know that I'd like them in a seven-game series against the Capitals at this point. I don't think I'd like them in a seven-game series against Boston. I think they're toss-ups in a seven-game series against Pittsburgh, against the Islanders. Uh, Toronto, I like them a little better than I like Toronto, but that Toronto's coming on since they fired their coach. So, you know, it's a lot more – I don't feel as great about this team as I did a couple of years ago, um, but I feel better about them than I did three weeks ago. So I well, something. Yeah, that, that is saying something because at least they're, they're, you know, in the – if the playoffs were today, the proverbial it's not, so don't worry about it. But they're, they're almost – they're almost in second and, and, you know, have a shot at, at, at maybe leading the division before it's all said and done. But isn't there something to be said for this? Um, you know, last year they were hot from start to finish, right? They barely ever lost two in a row. Um, so isn't there something to be said for, if this occurs, that they are playing really well at the end of the year? Say they go on, uh, you know, win seven out of nine or, or, you know, eight out of ten to finish the season. Isn't there something to be said for the hot team at the end of the year versus one that's sort of, you know, kind of coasted through the through the regular season? No, oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen this story before as far as them just blowing people away. You know, we, it would yeah. happen a year ago. Look, none of this. We could sit here and talk from now until April 15th, Rick, and maybe none of it matters. I mean, we're all waiting for the playoffs. So that's that's right. That's you know, up right. until now, they weren't into playoffs, and then they go on this run. So there's I, progress, right. Yeah, and, and so now you, there's less of a worry about them making the playoffs. You know, I, I think we all feel pretty confident they're, gonna, they're a playoff team at this point. But – it doesn't mean a thing, man, until they get in there. I, t- I mentioned to my son. I saw my son the other day, and I said, hey, Lightning won again. This is after they beat, I think it was the Ottawa game, maybe or maybe it's Carolina. I said, hey, Lightning won again. Uh, he said, I don't care. Yeah, let me know in April. Let me know in April wow. if they win a series. And that's and he's a huge Lightning fan. He said, I just, he goes, I can't, I'm not going to get sucked into this team until they prove to me that they can win a game in a game. <laughs> in, after uh, April 15th or whatever, April 7th or whatever the season ends. So. Um, that's what con- contrast that with every other pro sports team in Tampa Bay. I know. Right. I mean, I mean really, I mean, you, you got one over here on Del Mabry that hasn't been in the postseason since, you know, 12 years ago and haven't won a game since the Super Bowl. And those guys, kids are now playing in pro in the NFL. Um, you know, you've got the, the Tampa Bay Rays who, you know, had a remarkable 96 win season or whatever a year ago. And, you know, made it to game five of the divisional playoffs, but, you know, everyone's not showing up and they're probably going to leave. And no one would be surprised if they lost 100 somehow. I mean, I would be at this point, but, um, you know, my point. And then, and then here we are, you know, thinking if, if the Lightning don't get to the Stanley Cup or at least the Eastern Conference Finals, it's just who cares? Right. That's, yeah, it's an, it's an amazing way we look at it. But it, I think it also, too, Rick, it, we feel like, like the Rays were underachievers, were you know the Bucks are the team that just hasn't performed in the last decade or so. The Lightning's a team that, you know, quite frankly, we feel like they should have won a cup already. It feels That's like true. No, besides the two thousand four, I mean, this latest version of the Lightning, and they haven't. Yeah. And you know they they came close. And it felt like they were on that progression. Okay, they came close one year, and then next year they went to the Eastern Conference Final, but that Stamkos was sick, and they didn't have it all together. Okay, now next year's the year, and then it's just that that next year has never happened. And they seem to be, you know, after last year, it seemed to be going wild in the other direction. And you start to wonder, is the window over? And 
uh, are they ever going to win a Stanley Cup? And again, I, I look back and say it's it's does a team give you more good nights than bad nights? That that makes a good team. Like we watched this team a year ago. That was a thrilling season. That was a really fun season, but it was so depressing at the end to watch them lose the way they did. And then, so now there's this attitude of, well, you know, wake me up when the playoffs come because you guys fooled me a year ago. So, yeah, you're right. It's And it's the thing. It's This has always been the feel-good franchise in town, really, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it has been. You know, and, and but now with that comes expectations. And when you don't meet those expectations, people are going to get on you. Do they have a guy, it seems to be at least one or two players every year in the NHL when you get to the, the final of the tournament, that that can will his team to victory. In other words, we've seen Ovechkin do it. Do you need that guy? Is Stamkos that guy? Is Kucherov that guy? Or do Kucherov. they just shrink in the moment? Kucherov needs to be that guy, and I'm not sure he will be that guy. And that's the that's the big question we have about this Lightning team. Braden Point's a special player, too. And uh, and he is, I think he was hurt at the start of the year, and now he's really come on. He's starting to look like Braden Point. And Hedman was hurt, to, to be honest. Yeah, that Hedman right. was hurt last year in, in the in the finals, too. Right, the, yeah, against the, or the series against Carol, yeah, series, Columbus. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was definitely not himself and, and didn't play half that series because we right. assume concussion problems, and that was, a, that was a big loss. Kuch shrunk. He got suspended, he remember? Did. Um, now, here's the thing about Kucherov. Now, Kucherov, in previous playoff years, the year they went to the finals, the next year they went to the Eastern Conference Finals against Pittsburgh and lost in Game 7. Kucherov was good those entire playoffs, you know, yeah, both of those years. So he, let's, you know, it's, it's not like he's never played well in the playoffs. No. We look at last year, though. And sometimes this year, you know, Rick, I think Nikita Kucherov has elite talent, but he's not consistently elite, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I watched this team play, and it's funny. I looked up his stats last night, and I said, eh, I mean, what, kind of, what kind of years could Because if you just base it on watching games on TV, there, there are a lot of nights where I sit there and go, is Kucherov playing? Did he get hurt? Yeah. Did I miss him? Oh, no, there he is. You just don't yeah. notice him. And if you're going to be just as an MVP, we're talking about an MVP, Rick. We're talking about a guy who – I know. I know. He won a hard trophy a year ago. There should not be nights where you don't notice him. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. Here's the funny thing about Kucherov, and he, this is what elite players do, is that you, you look up and say, hey, is Kucherov playing tonight? Like, eh, I, I haven't even noticed him. Wait, they're, yet they're winning 3-2. And like, oh, wait a minute, he has two assists? Really? There you go. Like, I didn't, he could play poorly for 58 minutes and then have a great shift the next day to score a goal. And his numbers are actually pretty good. He's, he's more than a point-of-game guy. He's, I think he has, going into Tuesday night anyway, I think he has like, 45 points and 41 he's on pace for for near for for more than 90 points again you know so um but i don't know i sometimes i get the feeling rick like there are nights where i watch them and he doesn't look like the mvp of the league he doesn't look like the best player in hockey he doesn't look like one of the five best players in hockey and that shouldn't happen like ovechkin you notice ovechkin every night Sidney crosby i know Sidney crosby's hurt now but when he's in the lineup you notice him every single night there are nights I don't notice Kucherov as much. Maybe that's just a style he plays. I, I don't know. But if they're going to go on a deep playoff run, you have to have those guys beside your goalie that when you're playing and nothing's going on, one guy takes to say, okay, I'm going to win this game by myself. I'm going to go out there well, and dominate. And that's what Kucherov needs to do more, more than he has been. When I watch him, uh, it seems to me that he passes up a lot of shots to set up other players mm-hmm. with, yeah, like, but- fantastic. And, and they're not always ready. You know what I mean? Like I think the bet and, and you know they got the line. The you know they got Point and Stammer playing together with Cooch of late, 
that's obviously their best their best line. Sometimes they split those guys up for good reason. I mean, Sorelli was with Stamkos for a while, but it just seems to me like he's at a different level or thinks he is. Well, yeah. <laughs> and tries to do tries no seriously, tries well, to I do some things yeah. that most guys wouldn't attempt. You know what I mean? And and it works sometimes, and sometimes I, he's just more skilled than everybody else and I I would prefer he just go ahead and put the puck in the net. You know, then then try he, to, to to make his teammates better every time. But he got sat a couple of weeks ago by John Cooper, and I thought yeah, he did. this could go one of two ways. And I thought I didn't think it was going to go the way it has. I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep a close eye on this. I can mm-hmm. see this guy going into a total tank now, yes, and just sulking and pouting and just you know sitting at the end. Yeah. He's he's a bit of a. Um, I don't, a different I don't bird. want to say this right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's not very friendly with the media, which is it's not a requirement for being a really good occupier, don't get me wrong. But he can be just a little... Um, well, what's funny, and to your point, like they did this interview with... Um, it was a funny little bit they did on Lightning TV or whatever, you know, the, the pregame or postgame yeah. show is, um, where they had Vasilevsky, who doesn't speak great English, but it was in English, and they were asking him, who's the one player you don't talk to before he's had his cup of coffee in the morning? Who do you think he said it was? Wow, Kuch, right? Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. So off the ice, I think he's probably like that. Now, I always also wonder, I think sometimes we look at Russian players or other guys that, that you know aren't that great. And I don't know how well he speaks. You've, you've interviewed him before. I don't, I don't really know. But I also think we you know, we kind of put them, label them as, as less than cooperative or, yeah, or friendly. Yeah, I think you're exactly and, and, and right there's, about there's that. There's a huge language I mean, if I'm in, if you drop me in Ecuador and I have to talk to the Spanish media every day, I'm not going to be very good. No. Or want to do it. No, and I think you're right, Rick. I think you make a really fair point about how we view Russian players. I mean, that was the knock on Ovechkin for a lot of years that he's selfish, he doesn't care. Um, you know, we, we take his. Uh, he's aloof. He's know. aloof. There you go. That's the word. That's the word I was looking for a minute ago. Was Kucherov seemed aloof a lot of the time detached and maybe that's yeah. maybe that's not fair maybe that's not fair because we we do look again like i you just mentioned a minute ago that we view russian players that way that was the knock on ovechkin until ovechkin wins a cup now he's the greatest right. guy he's, the, yeah, he's boisterous <laughs> what a great guy look, look at him. the passion look at it yeah exactly you know so um but he's but he i will give him credit for this that when when he got benched by cooper a couple of weeks ago i thought uh-oh this could go yeah. really south, and it, and it seems like he's, I don't know that it, it that it clearly motivated him, <laughs> but yeah. he hasn't gone into the tank because of it, and I, that's a good sign. But he's got. You, you're right about this. He's if they're going to go, and we won't know until April. But if they're going to go on a run, he has to be a guy that he has to be their leading scorer. Him and him and Victor Hedman have to have to lead the way. Besides Vasilevsky, obviously. I actually thought that by Christmas, if it didn't turn, we were going to see maybe a change somewhere. And maybe even with John Cooper, I will now tell you that I was wrong about that. Um, not just because they're on this winning streak, or at least as we as we do this podcast before they play Vancouver, they had won eight in a row. I think Cooper was the perfect guy during this stretch because he showed no panic at all. Right? You know, he had confidence in these guys. He didn't. He he benched, like you said, he benched uh, Kucherov when he needed to be. He held them accountable, but he also didn't like go crazy. I I'm more prone to just go nuts if that had happened if I'd have been a coach of that team. Look, it wouldn't have been surprised. The Nashville Predators just fired their coach, Peter Laviolette. He's taking yeah. that team. That's a very you look at Nashville. Nashville's a very similar team to Lightning over the past they like, are. five six years. They are. They've, they've been President's the Trophy doorstep. winners on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. They went to a Cup final. They came yeah. close, and 
Peter Laviolette's considered a pretty good guy. Now, fine by me. I'm glad that good riddance. I, I'm not a big Peter Laviolette guy. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's the smartest guy in the room. You know. <laughs> Sorry, cl- classic. Hockey's Joe Madden. What He's are we talking classic, about? Here? No, worse than that. He's a cl- and here and I'll, since I'm just a guest on this podcast, I'll just say what I say and then I can get off. Um, He's a typical Boston guy, you know, just like they invented the game. <laughs> they act like they invented the game. You're not smarter than me. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and so he's, uh, yeah, I, just an arrogant, I think, and just an arrogant guy. But and but he's a good coach, no, clearly. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks fired jo- uh, Joe Quenville. Joe Quenville yeah, won three cops. Yeah, that was my three goodness. Three cops he won with that franchise. And I'm not saying it wasn't the right or wrong move, and maybe it was time to move on. But when you brought up the fact that, Hey, should they be looking to do something? It was getting close to that point, Rick. If they hadn't turned it on when they did, then all of a sudden you're looking at the season getting away, and all of a sudden Stamkos yeah. is another year older, and Victor Hedman's another year older, and it wouldn't have been good. Yeah, you. Mm. It's sooner or later you're going to say like, we got to do something here. Um, yeah, clearly they've they've turned it around. So, but, but we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You were uh, Nostra Thomas on that one, getting Thank credit you. for it on Twitter. I love that. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, a clock is right twice a day, so don't don't get too arrogant. <laughs> exactly. um, let's uh, let's shift to the Buccaneers, my favorite team to cover, and the only one I have for about 25 or so years. Um, look, uh, Jameis Winston is in limbo. What a place to be, right? You've uh, thrown your last pass of the season, maybe your last pass ever that's been intercepted and returned for a touchdown. The season is over, and now you can become a free agent, but guess what? There's a lot of other quarterbacks out there, and the Bucks and Bruce Arians has said we're going to take a couple weeks, we're going to evaluate everything, and we'll probably make a decision, but you guys won't know about it because that's called leverage. Um, I would suspect that in short order, Jameis will find out one way or the other. But there are a lot of interesting names, uh, potential free agent quarterbacks, and I just want to run through them a little bit, and we'll do uh, you know, kind of a – I don't know. You can kind of give me your analysis, but also – We'll try to will it down and, and, and kind of arrive at uh, who your favorite might be and why. But okay. um, like some of these guys, let's just let, let's say off the bat that we don't know that they're going to re-sign with their team. Some of them are free agents for, you know, for the first time, like, like Tom Brady in 20 years. Um, and, then, and then others, I think it's pretty obvious in the case of, say, Dak Prescott, that they, maybe they might not be out there. But here we go anyway. Okay. 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 In, in, in no particular order except perhaps seniority. Drew Brees, he's 41 years old, cannot be franchised, has been on the doorstep of an NFC title the last, what, three years, ended tragically in no small part because – Man, unbelievable how this team has lost It's incredible. And and this last time was his fumble, by the way, which, you know, he blamed on a guy running the wrong route and he was trying to get the ball out, whatever. But, but, you know, if that had been Jameis Winston, oh, boy. Um, So Drew Brees – I I mean you know if you're if you're New Orleans you could resign Teddy Bridgewater you got Taysom Hill I mean you've got some options do we think that Drew Brees would be out there if he were at 41 is that a guy you'd entertain I would be interested in him although I do not see a scenario I thought Rick I do not see a scenario where he would come here but I right. I thought there was a split second after they lost the Saints lost that game the other day that I could see Sean Payton leaving going to the Dallas Cowboys, taking because that's always been a long rumor, right, that he was going to end up in Dallas again mm-hmm. someday. And now I'm starting to look at Breeze. And just as a side note here, our, we're looking at Breeze and, and Peyton, and I think we've always considered them one of the great coach-quarterback combos. Absolutely. Ha- have we overrated them? Like, when we look back at their careers, Rick, I mean, we're going to talk, talking about one Super Bowl, one. You know, I'm glad you said that. And, and, and I wanted to think about that 
um, because there's a lot of that talk when, uh, and we can discuss this. Mike McCarthy, of course, has been hired by the Dallas Cowboys, and he right. was with Aaron Rodgers, yep. who we would agree is a first ballot Hall of Fame player, succeeded Brett Favre, still an extremely skilled, talented guy, right? Won 13 games this year with his new coach, a rookie coach at that, but he won one Super Bowl, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Is that underachieving? But you know what, Tom? How many have won two? Not many. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like we have this expectation that you should win more than one. But Dan Marino didn't win any, okay? Dan and, Marino and I don't want to hear it's... about Terry Bradshaw and the four that he won. You know, and, and there's one guy, of course, you know, Brady that's sitting here with six, right. which is, you know, I mean, Belichick and him will, will be the gold standard for probably a, a very, if not forever. Um, after that, Montana and Bill Walsh. You know, yeah, like yeah. what are we talking about? Like how many, how I mean, many guys he's win only, more he's only than got to one? Like right, Breeze has only got he's only he's only been to one. one. That's correct. And so is so is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look at in, in today's current. And I'm not saying it's all about the championships because because everybody always says, "Oh, so you're telling me Trent Dilfer's better than Dan Marino?" Like, no, that's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is, is that if you look at Drew Breeze for all the years they've been together, yeah, mm-hmm. just one Super Bowl and only been to one. Well, I mean, at least. You know, Eli but look how some of those couple. ended, though. I mean, look oh, how horrific, horrific fashion. The Minnesota Miracle, they get, oh. you could argue that two years in a row, they get screwed on an interference call. Pass <laughs> interference, not both, call. Both, you know, both ways. Um, right. So they've, and they've had some, yeah, they've had some games where they've ended tragically. But I think, I want to say they're, like, Drew Brees is like 8-8 eight and eight all time in the playoffs. Yeah, throw, he doesn't have that and many not that wins. You could throw out the, not that you can throw out the playoff run, but you throw no, out the No, but I mean, listen, Super to Bowl your run, point, Joe Flacco has more playoff wins than Drew Brees, way I more, believe. Like, I think a couple but, more. And fewer yeah, like losses, I can tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ben Roethlisberger has been a better quarterback over that time in terms of playoff That's performance. And, and Eli Manning. Uh, I mean, anyway. Uh, I so can't, we're going to say no on Drew Brees. I can't see you Drew Brees. don't see a scenario. I can't see him playing anywhere but New Orleans, right? I think that's where – not especially well, now that it looks like Peyton certainly will be back. So most likely, yeah, I would I would say that uh, him and him and Peyton would stick together, and and maybe retirement would be his other option. But I don't necessarily. Okay, Tom Brady, the goat. Look, he's forty two, and and people smarter than me are saying this is the first time he's been able to look around a little bit and kind of kind of decide is there a better place for me right now? He spent twenty years in New England. Um, you know, Bob Kraft has said, I hope it's one of two decisions. He plays for us or he retires. Doesn't seem like he's going to retire. It seemed like after the game, he accepted the fact that that was not a good Patriots team, that the same reason they lost to Miami in the final regular season game, which made them have to play in the wild card round, um, was why they lost, you know, in the wild card round because they're just not very good. Not enough weapons around him. What are the chances that he looks around? I mean, really looks around and says, you know what? There's some really good football teams out there that I'd rather play for right now that that would maybe get me to a Super Bowl. And if nothing else, I could prove that it, it, it wasn't just Bill Belichick. Where would the Tampa Bay Bucks rank on that list? If I'm Tom Brady, they would rank very high on that list. I look at this team, and I'm looking at the, the one thing I didn't have in New England was weapons. The one thing I do have in Tampa Bay is weapons. You've got so two 1,000-yard Pro Bowl receivers. Man, you give me – uh, you give me Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a tight end who's not Gronk, but he's a pretty good catching tight end and Cam Braid and maybe uh, O.J. Howard as well. And I ha- and a-, a coach that I can rely on, a veteran coach who knows how to veteran coach plays. knows how to take care of uh, old quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I mean this this situation to me looks really good. 
apparently my wife likes warm weather. <laughs> um, I can probably find a nice house. <laughs> well, in she's Tampa. closer to Brazil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently she loves like you know she loves Florida. She likes she likes the nice weather. So certainly better weather than New England this time of year. I ultimately don't think that. I don't think I can't see him playing anywhere but New England, and I don't think the New England dynasty is over, over, over. Like, I, I, they, there are a couple of reasons why that. First, the AFC East is still the AFC East. Buffalo is starting to come on. I, I like the way they're starting to build a team. Miami's still a couple of years away. The Jets are still the Jets. Like that division's still ripe to be taken. And look, if I'm a, if I'm an putting together an NFL team, the, the two most important components are head coach and quarterback, and they still got two really good ones. And the reason they didn't play well this year in New England had nothing. And I, we say we didn't play well. They were the three seed. You know, it's like we act like they went four and 12. They, right. He, it wasn't, it wasn't because of Brady. Brady's still, Brady's still a really good quarterback who could still throw the ball. He can't move around, but when could he ever move around? So right. uh, I, I think they, they're, you know, they were maybe Antonio Brown away from being a team to reckon with this time of year. So I think he'll look at it, and if, if New England makes a commitment, and certainly they will of trying to patch up what's around him, I think I, I think he stays in New England. But if I'm Tom Brady and I'm looking around, Tampa Bay is certainly attractive to me. Well, you'd have a 67-year-old coach and a 42-year-old quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, I mean – yeah, hey, you sell tickets. It's not. Is it would sell? Do you, are you kidding me? You oh, it would be unbelievable. Jerseys there would and, be and for that reason, Tom, I think, and and I get you on the on. You know, if you're looking at personnel and coach, you know, this makes sense. Okay, I always look at it like, what would be best for me? It'd be awesome if a Tom Brady were to come in here just from a news standpoint. What a story, right? So that's why it's probably not going to happen. There was a time when they almost traded for Brett Favre. That didn't happen. But I think he, if he does go somewhere, it will be a franchise that will say, name your price, how much you want to make. Um, hopefully, they'll, you know, he won't go there unless there are weapons, obviously, in place. But there'll also be a place that is trying to sell tickets. And for that reason, I look at, like, the L.A. Chargers, mm, right, yeah. who are the second team into that new stadium out there that probably won't have Phillip Rivers. And, you know, was a playoff, was a 12-win team just a year removed, right? Right. Um, and it's back in California where he's from. Nice okay. weather, warm That's weather, happy, nice happy weather life, there. Big yeah. brand new stadium. Either that or I tell you what, man. You think? Hey, give me Tom Brady in Las Vegas. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The Bradys go to Vegas. I think I saw that show. Wasn't that the one where they lost the the little uh, icon from Hawaii? No, that was a different one. But uh, no, can you imagine? Let me ask you this though, Rick. Yeah, first out, first off, yes, yeah, sign me up for that. I'm all in on that. <laughs> but secondly, um, could like if you're if you're Tom Brady, are you interested in playing for somebody else? I mean, do you want your career to end? Do you want it to be the sort of Joe Namath in L.A.? Do you want it to be O.J. Simpson in San Francisco? Do you Franco Harris in Seattle? But does that? Know? But does that? Yeah, but we all have those images, right? Johnny United says a Charger, but I mean, the right. thing is, does it? Does it have to be like that? In other words, could you have some success? Look, Joe Montana didn't get back to a Super Bowl, but you know what? I think they went pretty far with Kansas City. No, he was good. They had a good team. They had a good team. You know what I'm saying? Like, there there could be life after New England. And if you've already won six and gave 20 years to the same organization, do you owe it to yourself that the curiosity might just get to you and you say, you know what? It would have been cool to play someplace else. 
the reason you might do, I, I would, I think it'd be cool to retire as a Patriot from him. Although he'll always be a Patriot, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, what you know? And Brett Favre, I covered Brett Emmett Favre, Smith's like, last game with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. He was pathetic. No one even mentions the fact he played there. I mean, Brett Favre was with one bad throw away from taking Minnesota to a Super Bowl. So yeah, he was but, one bounty gate away from taking Minnesota uh, to the right. Super Bowl. Exactly. But it was like if you're Eli Manning maybe you quit like you're done like you should first off he, he can't play that much anymore but, first of all yeah let's yeah, go there yeah. but i mean it would be nice to have your whole career with the, the the giants i guess the only reason that brady would continue playing is because he's still playing he at, play. at a level high enough that he could win a super bowl somewhere else with the right team that's right you know no i don't think he plays just just because he wants to play so i think he plays because he thinks he can win a super bowl and the whole, I don't think the, he goes anywhere that he doesn't think he can win a Super Bowl. No, no, no. Why would you? Yeah, you're not going to go to the. You'd to have to. Miami, you'd have to say you know? to yourself, "I have a better chance at this point of winning a Super Bowl in this city than I do in New England." Right. And you, I like. I like your point about hey, do you try to win? Not that he has a rivalry with Belichick, but it would go to prove that it wasn't just. I wasn't just a system quarterback. It wasn't just because of of the style we played in New England that, that won a Super Bowl. It was me. I, I was the best. I was the greatest quarterback of all time. So that, that would make sense. But um, so if he does it, yeah, it's, Tampa Bay would be on my list to visit if I'm Tom Brady. But I, th- I, think I was stunned. It, was stunned they were what? nine to one in Las Vegas odds. Tampa Bay was. They have the fifth best odds of any team. Who was tops? The Chargers? Um, believe it or not, Cleveland. Yeah. Well, you know what? My only because I think they were thinking Josh, Josh McDaniels, McDaniels would go, would go and coach there. Right? there yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But and how about that? How about if Josh McDaniels were to go to to a, a city? Um, although at this point, I don't. Um, well, the Giants seem to have their young quarterback, but you know, Josh McDaniels is interviewing there. Carolina. Let's say it's Carolina. Although I don't. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got some pieces. I don't think they're the team that maybe even the Bucks are, who finished ahead of them in the standings, but split with them during the year. Yeah. But where Josh goes, there's a possibility he would go. There. I think there's, uh, I think there's a possibility he could retire, Brady. I, you know, it's funny. Like I watched a post game pretty closely, and and he really started talking about his kids, and yeah. I don't know. You know, that was the first time I'd really heard about that. You know, as far as maybe yeah. maybe steps away. This idea too. I go. He's he's not going to walk away on a pick six. Like that's that's silly. Don't that that's that's what I think. Yeah, that has nothing to do with anything. I don't think. But, he's playing. Yeah, you know, I, I think he'll play, and I think he comes back to New England. Probably the best bet is New England, yeah. If, but if he goes somewhere, yeah, who knows? Maybe the Bucks will. Uh, it's a good, good spot. Bruce Arians have to look at it, right? You'd have Absolutely. to look at it. Sure. Yeah, Tom yeah. Brady. Are you kidding me? And you know the Glazers are looking at it. Sure. Eli Manning, we agree, is pretty much no. done. Probably done. retires as a Giant. I thought so. I think so. I thought there was a shot he might go to Jacksonville if Tom Coughlin had stuck around there. Yeah. Um, to play one more year, there was a thought maybe the Colts. You know, if they weren't really sold on. Brissett, you know, that he would fit right. there. But I would, I would, if I'm the Bucks, I would not be interested in Eli Manning. I mean, I got a guy that can throw interceptions now. So I yeah, don't need, I don't need another one. Yeah. His, his mobility is, is, is probably worse than some of those guys. All right. Here's one for you. Think about it hard. Yeah. Philip Rivers. He's 38 years old, a little bit of a gunslinger, second most interceptions behind Jameis last year. Had a 12 win team a year ago. Wants to play, motivated to play closer to his home in North Carolina. Would you do it for a year or two? I've never liked Philip Rivers, and I, I think really? I'm no, and I and I know I'm way in the minority on this. I've never been a Philip Rivers guy. I think really? I've always thought he was just good enough to get you beat. Like, 
you know, he's he's a just another ver- he's sort of a version of Jameis Winston. I, it's spectacular at times and spectacularly bad at times. And I know, like again, I know I'm in the money. You and I talked about this back when we were doing the radio I know, show. I know. We, you were I like, mean, no, man, you. Like you he's a Hall of the, Fame quarterback. I mean, yeah, he and just I'm like, is. Hall yeah. of Fame? What? Are you kidding me? Oh, what yeah. Hall of Fame? Oh, no question. To me, I'm like, oh, no, really? Because what has he done ever? Like, especially well, in the won, postseason. He's won 13. Well, that's the problem. The postseason has been the problem for him. And I it's mean, a, that, and it's, but it's a team fault. game. And right. you can go, I, you know, much like Brady, there are years you can go back and say, okay, he had Antonio Gates and who? You right. know what I mean? Like, there mm-hmm. have been years like that. Or they didn't have a defense. Or, you know, how many coaches have been through San Diego, you know? I mean, they fired Marty Schottenhammer after he won 13 games there one year. Right, right. No, I, I get it. But I, I don't know. I just have never been super in love. Yeah, you're with, consistent with that. You've never loved Phillip Rivers. I mean, and look at his, I'm looking him up now. His all time record, 123 and 101, which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, no. his interception, you know, five, five to two in terms of like percentages of interceptions, touchdowns, interceptions. I mean, five to uh, two. You take that in Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah, Eli Manning, by the way, has a, has a 500 record for his career. The guy, the guy, yeah, oh, I know, right, right, yeah, exactly, right at 500. 500, right. I mean, I'm looking at his his like the last, including this year, 4,600 yards, 4,300 yards, 4,500 yards, 4,300 yards, 47, mm-hmm. 42. No, yeah. he throws it around. Um, you, you know, yards per attempt, he's led the league in that category several times he's thrown mm-hmm. the most touchdowns in the leagues uh one time with you know, bruce so. arians with with a veteran type coach and in that system those receivers yeah but no i don't know okay <laughs> I, you're just, in, no. I just don't want him no do you like him all right yeah i For actually here? think that would he fit well here? i think he would fit here because i think i think he's he's a vertical passer right um he's he's an experienced quarterback so he would he would quickly figure out a lot of the things that you wouldn't, you'd have to teach a younger guy. Because I think one of the reasons Jameis struggled is just because of the system. You know, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of pieces to it, and um, the quarterback is his own protector. I mean, you have to get the ball out, you have to make quick decisions, and they got to be, they got to be quick twitch decisions and quick twitch throws. And I think he can do that. I think Philip Rivers has a different sort of release point. I think he, you know, he can sling it a little quicker than, than maybe Jameis. You know, who, I mean, the good thing about Jameis is. He he takes time to unload the ball, but that gives him that extra power down the field that he can sure. really, yeah. you know, get those long throws. But I think Rivers would be better in this offense. I, I don't I don't see him much different than a Carson Palmer. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and and Palmer good. had that's a lot a of success. Compar- that's a pretty good uh, pretty good comparison, I would think. You know, could he be Tampa Bay's Carson Palmer under Bruce Arians? I think that you know, but it's, it's a one year deal. If you're doing it, it's a one. Two at the most year deal. Two year deal at the most, and and then you draft a quarterback somewhere in the next two years and hope you develop him, right? I right. mean, you're gonna have to do that anyway at some point, no matter. Even if Jameis is back, maybe you have to consider that. Yeah, right. So the other uh, options, and we'll just run through them quickly yeah. here. I mean, Tanny Hill, I think, is probably gonna end up back in Tennessee. I would if I'm him. As, I'm staying back in. Tennessee. As much as I like what he's done there, I don't know that he's dynamic enough for me to go all in on, no, on hundred no, million no, no, dollars no. for Ryan Tannehill. No. Uh, Marcus Mariota, you want to settle the argument? There he is. No, I've, that argument's been settled, I think. Okay, James is better. I like better. Winston better, yeah. Okay, and then you get down to your uh, your Case Keenums, and I think Dak Prescott's going to be re-franchised. I'm not even going to discuss him. Yeah, no, he's Then you have Teddy Bridgewater. That's the most interesting guy to me. That's the most intriguing guy to me. Now, do you trust him to stay healthy? That that's that would be the It's a problem, but he's 27. 27. You know, he's got a, got a playoff win. I mean, when he's played, his numbers are good. 
You know, it's five and zero with the Saints, but that's with Sean Payton and that that offense that they had. I mean, but you've got same receivers you were talking about before, and the same offensive weapons. Yeah, uh, and he not as big an arm, obviously. No, not, no but he, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes with the football. He doesn't turn it over a ton. He did his rookie year, but after that, mm-hmm. his has really cut it down. Um, can he win you a Super Bowl? Can you win the Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater? Or can you just make the playoffs? And would that be enough at this point? Well, I think he, I think he makes the playoffs. He doesn't lose games for you, but I don't know that he wins games for you. I don't right. know that he's he, he. You can you can climb on his back and carry him and and have him carry you. Now, I, that, there are a lot of quarterbacks. Like I didn't think Kirk Cousins was that guy, and I still don't know if he, he's that guy. But sooner you later, like that, you, you like, like that. that. <laughs> we were at we were at that game. Remember? Oh, we were, yeah, we that's were. The thing, that's what I claimed the fame. Like, yeah, that was, game got Lovey fired, by the way. I, yeah, I was that. We were there, man. Um, we were just <laughs> down the hall when he was screaming at. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, uh, you know, he, Kirk Cousins was couldn't win a big playoff game until he did. You know, and then he won one the other day. That's right. And big it was, one. he was Made a big, big reason throws. why they, yeah, big throws to, yeah. you know. Now, that's one game. It's a wild card game. Now he's going to go, he's going to win two more of them just to get to a Super Bowl. Um, right. But somebody's got to do it for the first time. Of all the quarterbacks out there, I, a free, a potential free agents, Teddy Bridgewater, not only is the most intriguing to me, but the most likely to come here if you were to, if you were to go after somebody. But he's not and my you know top, top choice. I'll tell you my top choice in a minute. Okay, well, let me have your top choice because, I, and I'm going to guess, okay? Because, and I don't well, know, we have not talked, we have not talked about this, yeah. Okay, no, we have, but I'm going to guess, just based on our conversation, mm-hmm. the best quarterback is T- Jameis Winston. Exactly right, it is. Your Jameis Winston's the guy. He's got he's he gives you your best chance to win a Super Bowl. I cannot imagine, Rick. I cannot imagine he's going to throw 30 interceptions again. I just, I, and I'm not a huge Jameis guy, clearly, and. What he you could saw, throw 25. He could throw 25. And I'm telling you, there will be games where he'll outright lose them for you. And I don't know that I would ever trust him ever in a big game because he might just go out there and throw seven in a game because he's entirely capable of it. But I also think, Rick, that he's capable of winning you 12 games. And he's capable of going into a big, a big game. I don't think the moments are too big for him. I don't know what happens with these interceptions. I don't think it's nerves. I don't think it's, uh, you know – that he doesn't care. He makes, this, he makes the same mistakes over and over again. And it's not getting better. It's not going to get that much the better. Throw, I mean, you know, they uh, – first of all, I don't think you'll – I mean, I think it was a bit of an anomaly that on the first series, the you know, in the first throw of the game, that sort of thing, that was just weird to me. Like, I can't – that's – can that ever happen again, right? I mean, he had, it's you know, six pick sixes. I mean, that sort of thing. That's crazy. But, but you go back and analyze the throws, as that coaching staff has, I will tell you that they will tell you that he makes the same mistakes again and again. It's concerning. They're not different mistakes. And I don't know they'll ever fix it. I don't know that they'll ever totally fix it. But I'm telling you what, Rick, that guy, that quarterback, at times played as bad a football as you could play. That guy turned the ball over as much as any quarterback we've ever seen, and they were a couple of kicks away from making a playoffs. You know? That's true. And I'm not going to blame it all on, well, if they just make a couple of kicks. I've heard that excuse a lot. But it's kind of true. You know, they, no, it's extremely true. I mean, look, <laughs> let's just take the two kicks that Matt Gay missed. That we oh, okay, let's do it this way. He misses the thirty-four yarder against the Giants, which should have never come down to that, right? I mean, right. they had an eighteen-point lead in that game. The Giants went on to win, lose ten in a row after right. that. They were a bad football team. You got a team by eighteen points at, at halftime. You need to close the game out. That said, even after the defense wilted and allowed 
you know, Daniel Jones to run in the end zone, like behind a Mack truck if he wanted to. Um, he brings him back, and, you know, that was the game that Mike Evans had three touchdowns and 190 yards. He hits a deep ball to Mike Evans. Two of them actually gets them in field goal range. The coaching staff screws up. They spike the ball to kill the clock. Jameis is celebrating. Then instead of just centering the ball and spiking it again, mm-hmm. they let the clock wind down and get a delay of game penalty and move yeah. the kick back. Yeah. And then the guy misses a 34-yarder. So if he makes that kick, and let's go to the last game where it ended tragically on his pick six walk-off, right? The the field goal kicker missed three three field goals. Yeah. If he makes yeah. any of them, that game's never in overtime. It's I, You look at as as bad as he played, he, he also played well enough that he almost got you into the Two playoffs. kicks from nine and seven. Yeah. And even Period. that would have been good enough to get you in the playoffs, but... No, they, but... That there was there were some really he's the most exciting player in football. There's no doubt about it. He's in terms you never know what's <laughs> either way, happen. right? Either way, either way. <laughs> but it's a uh, and he's and he's never going to be. I've said this time and time again. He's never going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's never going to throw five interceptions in a season. He he will be a double digit guy every year, and there will be games where you're like, "What are you doing, man? How, how could you possibly throw that?" And he, he's going to throw. Four in a game sometimes. He's going to do it a couple times a year. But I, I look around at who else is out there, Rick. And unless Who would you rather me, have? Unless you're telling me Brady's coming. Uh, and I'd only do that partly for to sell tickets. and, and <laughs> Out of morbid I mean, curiosity. The, yeah. Just the, like, yeah. wow, Tom Brady played a year for Tampa Bay. Other look, than that, there's Giselle on the suite. Exactly. But – I mean, of realistic of the guys who would come here, Philip Rivers to me is the same guy, and Teddy Bridgewater is the only other guy I would think, and I and I don't know that he, he's good enough to maybe get you to the playoffs. Not going to win you a Super Bowl. May get you to the playoffs. He's not going to. Yeah, he's not a dynamic quarterback. I don't. Yeah. Know. If he was, he'd be playing for somebody. And I don't know. I just I think I think of all the options out there, Jameis is the one guy I could see taking me deep into the playoffs. I really I I think he's capable of doing. All that. right. There it is, Nostra Thomas predicting that Jameis Winston will be your quarterback you, of the now, Tampa Bay Actually endorsing him, I believe, at this point. Yeah, I have to. What's your gut feeling tell you, Rick? Is he coming back? Just that I know it's it's impossible to know at this point. My, my gut feeling tells me that he will. However, it's far from a done deal. Um, and when I say I don't mean like it's from, from a, from a um, negotiating standpoint. I mean, I think there's a lot. Of, I, a lot. I think there are folks that are ready to move on. And I mean really ready to move on. Yeah. And but again, and I think you heard Arian say it, what's behind door number two? We just went through this exercise, right? Yeah. They will comb over a lot go a lot deeper than we just did. But not much deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, because the names are the same and the resumes are what they are. Now, the one thing I think people underestimate about this process, and it may it may well be that he's back. Right. But there's a couple things. One is don't underestimate the fact that Bruce Arians has confidence he can win with you at quarterback. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. I've heard him talk about you at quarterback. It's he <laughs> really he thinks he can make it rain out there. He likes me but, better than Dirk Cutter likes me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I didn't know that your name rhymed with, rhymed with Chuck, but I guess. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think that um, I think that that that. You know, people people assume that Bruce Arians is like, why well, sixty seven? Why would he want to start over with a younger quarterback or another quarterback or or some other guy named Ned? Right. Right. The fact of the matter is, is that he believes he can win with him. That's why. You know, 
and he said as much. You know, I can I can win with I can win with this quarterback, and yeah, I could win with another quarterback because of this defense. Now, that's part of the equation too. Is you got to keep this defense together, and that's going to take money. Right. And it and it doesn't. You know, in the past, you could keep a guy maybe, and it wouldn't take half. You know, one fifth of your salary cap, right? But now to get Jameis Winston back, you got to pay him like twenty seven million dollars. That's not a small decision. No, that's twenty seven million that. You're not giving to Shaq Barrett, that you're not giving to Domicon Sue, that you're not giving to Jason Pierre-Paul, et cetera, okay? Or re-signing Chris Godwin to an extension. That's a lot of money. So there's that. Um, you know, the the other thing is just you're damned if you do. I talked to somebody in the NFL I respect a lot, and, and they've been in similar situations. He says, look, here's the problem. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, right? Tell me how the Bucks win with this decision. If they let them go, they're probably going to take a step back. You know what I mean? Like they may sure. not get to the playoffs again. You know, it's there's going to be groans and a process, right? And maybe the guy is better in one area, but he's, you know what I mean? He doesn't drive the ball down the field and the receivers aren't getting their thousand yards and, you know, it looks different. They're winning more with defense. Maybe the, the scores are, you know, 15 to, 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 or 14 to 13, whatever. Right. Um, you have to win a different way. You're winning, but you're not winning the way you're used to seeing it, and that's weird, right, with offense. Um, but if you keep him, it's going to cost you money. And what if the same thing happens? In other words, what is what is your appetite now? So you've re-signed the quarterback, let's say for a year or two, uh, maybe you franchise him, whatever. And then he goes out there, and in week one, so far so good. You win the game, he looks good. Three touchdowns, one interception. Week two, ah, eh, you lose, but well, he wasn't the reason you lose. You're one and one. Week three and four, he throws three picks in both games and is the reason you lose the game. Right. And that's going to happen. <laughs> so now what? Right. So now you're in week five. You've re-signed the guy, and he's turning the ball over like he always did. What appetite do the Tampa Bay fans or the coaching staff have for that? None. They have no appetite for that. But I look at this, and I thought your first point about the defense was really good, that if I had, a, if I had an elite-level defense or I was moving towards an elite-level defense, which at times this year would look like Tampa Bay might have. Second half of the season, you yeah, could in, say that. Yeah. In today's NFL, as elite as you, know, as you can get in right, today's exactly. NFL. But um, if I had a quarterback that could go out and throw for 3,500 yards, that didn't have to be like a 5,000 guy, obviously, that very few guys have ever done That's that, very few yards at all, yeah, 3,500 over 35, 16 games. 3,800 or 4,000, yeah. say a guy threw it for 4,000, and he only threw 23 or 24 touchdown passes, but he only threw two or three interceptions. Like, I could win with that, with an elite defense, but eventually you're going to have to pay your quarterback, and I, and I think in today's NFL, and I, no matter how good that Bucks defense was this year, and at times, use an example like New England's defense was elite at, for a moment there. Pittsburgh's defense was elite for a moment there, but they didn't get, they didn't go, those teams didn't go anywhere, Pittsburgh in particular, because they didn't have anybody at quarterback, yeah. and I look at if you're going to win in today's NFL, I think you need a guy that there are going to be games where you have to go out and say, you know what, I need my quarterback to go out and win me a game today. I need him to go out. When you play New Orleans, when you go into New Orleans and you're playing Drew Brees and they're putting up 30 points, I need a quarterback that can put up 35, you know. Yeah. And I just don't know that guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Phillip Rivers do that for me in Tampa Bay. I think – you know, Jameis Winston's capable of doing it. Even in those games, Rick, where he was throwing four interceptions, they were never, like, totally out of those games. 
because nope. he would, like I said, he'd start the world's biggest fire and then put it out almost, you know, and, <laughs> and it was unbelievable how he could bring this team back. And I think if you're going to win in today's NFL, you need a quarterback. I'd, I think I'd rather have a quarterback who threw for 5,000 yards. I don't need 30 interceptions, but if you can get it down to like 18, you know, maybe one a game instead of two a game, then maybe I can live with that. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, you expect and in predicting that uh, Jameis Winston will be your Buccaneers quarterback. And I actually think that there's a better, I would say, and it might be 51%, but I would say better, better chance than not. But how um, much is I, this too, Rick? If you're, if you're Bruce Arians and you're looking at, look, I'm 60, how old is Bruce Arians? 67? 67, 67 going on 80. It seems, you know, he just seems like, no, I don't <laughs> well, mean to make fun of, I just don't, I don't, he's yeah. not in this for the long His haul. health has not been the best, but he he's made not it in this for season. 10 years. I can't imagine. No, he's not he signed a four year deal. And if he does four, I'll be shocked, but yeah. Right. So he's like, look, you know, his clock is ticking in terms of how much patience he's going to have. I get it. But at the same time, it's not like, Hey, you know, just let, let, give me Teddy Bridgewater to, to bridge this thing until I can get two in here or whatever quarterback you can, Somehow get into some young kids. And see, I, you know, that's one that's one way everybody looks at it. Everybody, you look at it exactly the same way most people say. Look, I, he's not in it for, you know, he's not buying green bananas. This guy wants to win, wants to win now. Club, best way to win now is with the quarterback you have. You don't have time to develop a young guy. You don't have, you don't have time, et cetera, yeah, yeah. Right? right? Here's the same way you can look at the same set of scenarios. He didn't have time to waste on the same guy that threw 30 <laughs> interceptions. He's not going to give another <laughs> year – because his clock is ticking loudly, and he needs to win now, and he doesn't believe he can win with this quarterback because he just tried to. I mean, the, if if Jameis Winston is not the quarterback here next year, it's going to be because when we go back and look at this whole hiring thing, you know, when Jason Light found the guy that would keep him as GM and, and you know, bring in a great coaching staff and all of that, right, he, he got Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians out of retirement, right, out of the lake house, in Georgia, to come here to do what? What was the one thing Bruce Arians was entrusted to yeah. do? Fix Jameis. Fix Jameis, right? And I said to Byron Leftwich, hey, you're here to fix. This kid don't need fixing. Well, all, all evidence to the contrary, <laughs> right? But the one thing, like, I, and we've said this on this podcast with you, always before, whether it was Dirk Cutter, Lovey Smith, whoever, they were hired and if Jameis didn't play well enough, they were going to get fired. This is the first coach that if Jameis didn't play well enough, Jameis was getting fired. Right. Right. Okay? So if you're Bruce Arians and you tried every – you don't think after the games he had in England, uh, you know, against New Orleans – I mean, name, name, the, name the game, Tennessee. Right. You don't think that they went back in the lab and said, let's cut this out now. Let's think of everything we can to stop these turnovers from happening. Early in games, late in games, pick six. Let's do everything we can. Do you not think that it was an exhaustive process oh, for I'm 16 sure. weeks? I'm sure. Trying to prevent him from throwing 30 interceptions? 30? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even a real number, man. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's no, no, I mean, the 30 30 club used to be Howard Johnson in baseball, right? Oh, I mean, that gosh. was Bobby, Bobby Bonds, not Barry Bobby Bonds. Bonds. Bobby Bonds, yeah. yeah. Okay, one last question about this, Rick. Let me ask you. If you're Jameis, yeah. and I give you the option that you can play in Tampa Bay again next year, yeah. you can play in Las Vegas next year, right. you can play in uh, Los Angeles with the, with the Chargers next year. Mm-hmm. Well, and somebody even suggested, I think it was Bill Simmons, like, you know, a, a 
Brady for Winston swap might be good for everybody, you know. Um, yeah. But let's let's say let's say if you're Jameis, your options are Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, and the Chargers. Yeah. Where do you want to play next year? I want to play where they're going to pay me, and that would be someplace else. I don't believe the Bucks are going to give him the hundred million dollars or ninety million dollars yeah. that he can get elsewhere. And I really do believe. Look, people have said I'm crazy. I believe this guy can get as much money as any free agent we just mentioned. Oh, sure. I really do. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. maybe somebody will pay Brady just because he's Brady, but Philip Rivers isn't going to get more money than Jameis Winston no. on a long-term deal, on a deal that's more than one or two years. He's just not. I mean, Jameis, when you go on these over the cap, you know they do these projections of how much money every guy is worth. He's worth right. over $100 million on a four-year deal, well over. Yeah. And, and you know what? Kirk Cousins, I always say come back to him. They, you know, they guaranteed him $90 million bucks in Minnesota for three years. Right. Kirk Cousins. You're telling me he can't get it someplace else. So if I'm Jameis, I want to get paid, man. Look, I, it'd be cool if it worked out in Tampa Bay because they're all. I'm always going to be that guy that failed, right? I'm the failed number one draft pick, couldn't get it done. Five, but you know what? Everybody else is going to say, yeah, but it was Tampa, right? They can't have nice things, right? <laughs> right? They can't. We can't have nice things here, Tommy. So you know, Testaverde left, played 20 years. Dilfer left, won a Super Bowl. Not comparing him to Dilfer. Steve Young left and won, you know, an MVP in, in a Super Bowl in San Francisco. Was going went to the Hall of Fame. Right. Doug Williams left and won a Super Bowl with Washington. Oh yeah, none of that matter. Yeah, Brett Favre join the parade, Jameis. Atlanta. Uh, Just join the parade. Drew Brees yeah. left San Diego back in the day. Yeah, there you go. Reason, yeah. So, huh. yeah. Well, they drafted Philip Rivers. Right. So, yeah. If I'm Jameis Winston, see ya. Please don't franchise me. Please, Mr. Buccaneers, don't franchise me. Wouldn't that be your Wouldn't that be your stance if you're if you're his agent? No, if I'm if I'm his agent, I, I would. I think the perfect scenario for me is the the Bucks not to franchise me. I'm gonna become a free agent, and then I think the Chargers sign me for a ton of money. I think that's exactly. where, I think that's where it would end up. Yeah. Exactly. So what what would make? I mean, so if they fran let's say tomorrow the Bucks come out and say, look, I know we don't have to tag them till March, but we're gonna tell you now we're tagging Jameis Winston if we can't get a deal. Yeah, I mean, if that's you're, bad news if you're Jameis, right? That's bad news I mean, if you're Jameis, and it's decent news if you're the Bucks. And but then Bucks need to go out. You can't unless you're convinced Ryan Griffin, and we have no idea about him. They need to bring no. in another guy. They Let's need be to serious. In, I don't whoever whoever the next version of Ryan Tannehill is, that right. they need to bring that guy in here. You know, so right. Yeah, so all right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, we got the uh, national championship game. It's Tigers on Tigers. Clemson, of course, against LSU. I'll go Tigers. <laughs> we're the real tigers, yeah. We're not. We're not the Clemson tiger. We're the real tigers. By the way, have you seen this guy on the? I, I don't even know his name. Look it up. He, a guy who does imitations of Nick Saban and Ed Ogeron. This no. guy, he's like he's a guy from. I, I don't know where he's even from, but he does these imitations. It's particularly a Saban that is spot on. Just I haven't heard of Nick's, Saban. I haven't his, heard of Nick Saban, but I'll look it up. He does a Nick Saban one where he where they ask him. Uh, his wife asks, "Which side you want to have with your Thanksgiving dinner?" And he goes into this long <laughs> rant about, "I don't know why you're asking me because I I like I like green beans and I like sweet potatoes, but I I'm not going to disrespect either one of them. So stop asking me." It's so, and, but and I can't do Nick Saban, but this is so spot. That's on. pretty good, though. But he does he does an Ed Orgeron that's that's out of this world as well. 
It's dumb. Yeah. But uh, not hard. I I cannot believe Clemson's back in this game again. I'm I was really? convinced. No, I don't know why. I'm done. Trevor Lawrence? Have you heard of the Trevor I'm Trevor Lawrence? I mean, you give me Trevor Lawrence and uh, uh, you know Joe Burrow. I mean, I think that's that's a toss up, right? I mean, well, it is, and I and I I think LSU's the the team to beat. They've been so dominating this year, and they've played just a, a hellacious schedule, and they've beaten everybody on it, and they've beaten Alabama, and they they beat Georgia, they handled Georgia pretty easily, and they blew out Oklahoma. I mean, these games aren't even. The guy had seven touchdowns in the first half. It was it was like he was playing a video game, and then right. But then I but tell me. You have to be the world's biggest idiot to to vote to or to predict against Clemson because every year we no, do. You were. they went into that game last year against Alabama. They dominated Alabama. What have you ever seen Alabama get get annihilated like Clemson annihilated them a year ago? So um, I, I I think LSU's the team to beat, but uh, how can you bet against Clemson? I'm going to pick LSU in that game, but not with a whole lot of confidence. Just because I'll take Clemson. LSU. The game's in New Orleans. Yeah. Okay, so it's. It's a coronation. I mean, there's going to be all all LSU Tiger fans more than Clemson fans. I don't know how many tickets they'll have. I like Dabo, though. He's got 28, 29-game winning streak. I mean, you know, all of that. Trevor and he Lawrence plays the really, whole, really you know, nobody likes – no one respects Yeah, us. right? Like, Come on, Which man. is dumb, but I think it works for him. It works. It works for his program. It works for his team, you know. Yeah. Uh, but sure I, is. I, was, I was stunned with how they, they – they, uh, they were able – I thought Ohio State would blow them out. I thought Ohio State and LSU were the two best teams by far in the country. And mm-hmm. I mean, Ohio state, you know, they, they had a couple, couple, you know, questionable referee calls and a, just an interception at the end away from winning that game. But it was, yeah. I didn't even think that game would be close. So. All right. So you got, just to be clear, you've got Nostra Thomas has LSU beating Clemson, LSU beating Clemson, Jameis returning lightning, making the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Wow. Man, I don't know. Take yeah. it to Vegas folks. He's never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's never wrong. Exactly. What do you got going on uh, Pointer.org? There's a, a little bit of political news out there oh and the coverage gosh. of uh, things like, I don't know, a potential World War III with, uh, with, with Iran think at this point. about 2020. I wrote this the other day, Rick. I, I don't think it's hyperbole. This could be the most impactful year of our lives uh, for this and one I of the agree. most impactful years in the history of this nation. Well, we think about just the election alone. Well, right? we have, the, we, have impeachment. we have impeachment coming up, uh, That's we assume, true. at some point. I don't think it will end up in Trump being removed from office, but, I mean, we're right. certainly going to have a, a, a trial. At Further point. tearing the country. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we have an election cycle that we have to go through. The Democrats have to choose a candidate and then we're going to have probably the most divisive presidential campaign that we've ever seen. And one of the most controversial elections I bet that we've ever seen for sure. And then, uh, yeah. And potentially another war in Iran. So it's, I don't think I, I wrote this the other day. I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is the most, this could be the most impactful year of our lives. I mean, of a generation of a generation. I mean, we look back at our, our, like, what are the, what I mean, the- cause we've lived predominantly when I say me and you, we I mean, we're, you know, Hey boomer, um, right. that we've lived predominantly in mostly peaceful times. I mean, right. we've, yeah, there was a war, obviously long, long military conflicts in, in Iraq and, um, you know, Afghanistan and, and, you know, we've, we've been involved right in, right. in, in, in conflicts, but not, to the degree of the greatest generation, which actually had a world war, you know, World War II. Sure. Um, so for, for you know, we, there was Vietnam, and, you know, when kids were being born in the, in the 60s and in early 70s, I guess. But other than that, relatively peaceful times. But you're saying 
potentially some of the biggest conflicts. Well, not only that, just, I mean, you look back at the history of our nation, particularly in the last, I don't know, 100 or so years. I mean, you look at, at the, the biggest moments of 1917, 19, what, 41, yeah. 1968. Yeah. I mean, these are, yeah. these are years that we look back and remember at, at turmoil and in 2020, yeah. And I think 2020 will go down as one of those years. Just the election, like any one of those things, like impeachment or election yeah. or yeah. a potential Historical conflict. events. I mean, yeah. now we're talking about all three of them happening potentially at one time. And who else? I mean, we're, we're seven days in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we've already, we're already at a, at a point. And that's where the media is so important at this time of the, uh, time of the year. And, that, and they play a big role in all this, you know. So that's, for that's sure. what I'm working on these days. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're not Nate Silver, but uh, you're going to have a Nostradamus prediction on the election uh, too, too, too soon for that. How about the Democratic nominee? Give me that. I think it's I. I my Do sense. Do you know? No, I don't know that we know yet, but I think it's going to be Biden. I think it'll be Joe Biden. Um, yeah. I just the Democrats are in a weird spot, Rick. I mean, I, I think in order to win the Democratic nomination, uh, you have to go really far left to satisfy most Democrats, and yet that candidate is often too far left for. The general population to I win an ele- general yeah, election, yeah, that's what's happened. We could win the nomination, maybe not a general right. election, right? Yeah, so that that's um, you know, and, and I look a lot of this is going to depend on what happens with Iran, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens with uh, the Impeachment, economy, the economy over yeah. the next the economy, you know, you're right, eight, sure. 10, 12 months, you know, so um, <laughs> who knows what, what it holds, but I'm telling you, there's something to write about every day for sure. Yeah, he's Tom Jones. You can read his newsletter on pointer.org. Discusses a lot of things in the media, not just politics, but but a lot of things. And, um, and of course, always value his opinions. Great stuff, Tommy. Love being on with you, buddy. You too, all the time, Rick, anytime. Thanks, man. You bet. See you. Always great to talk with Tommy. Of course, tomorrow we're going to have lightning beat writer Diana Neros of the Tampa Bay Times to discuss what's been a pretty good run for the Tampa Bay Lightning, for sure, back in the playoff picture. And then on Friday... We'll get you ready for the NFL Divisional Playoffs. Boy, I'm looking forward to that. My favorite week in the NFL. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.